welcome to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink about their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. I'm Sabrina Malshausen. And we're going to do a quick awesome autumn update, or feel good fall, that's what I was calling it. Oh yeah, okay. In my very American accent. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So... One of the main things I have been trying to do to make myself feel better is buy clothes that fit. Yeah. And like fit my body now, not like, if I lose 20 pounds, this will fit. No, like now. Yes. But, but the main thing I have done for myself is that I have bought new bras. Nice. New bras. It's such... A change when things don't pinch or slip or dig into your side all day. It's like my boobs are being cupped by an angel. (laughs) I'm like, I have had a sinus headache for the last two weeks Mm -hmm. and I don't even care. I don't even care. (laughs) <laughs> I I I really just don't like bras. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, let's be real, if I could get away without wearing them, I would. But. Yeah, you your your tits are enormous. I've had breast reduction <laughs> surgery, so I can actually get away without bras a lot. And I do. God <laughs> But I wish. um No, mine are all like cotton pull over the head bras. They're in fun colours, like pink and blue striped, but like they're not. They're very utilitarian. I'm not a not a bra person. Also, I don't wear underwire. Um, oh, see, I have like underwire everything. Like my sports bras, they don't have an underwire, but they're very much like that, like super duper strap. Rub, like you're basically wearing a rubber band. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, you need it. I don't. So <laughs> I know. I know. My boobs are kind of hurting just thinking about not wearing a bra. Oh. <laughs> my. My plastic surgeon said that um, I would have to wear bras, but the cool thing, like, when they take, when they do the breast reduction, they take the extra skin and, like, pull your underskin, under breasts into, like, a, it's like an upside-down T, and so the scar underneath your breasts keep them perky. So, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Science! So, <laughs> I know, it's great. So I have, like, a natural bra built into my body. God, I wish. I've never... I have worn big bras since I was, like... Since I hit puberty. Yeah, no, Definitely I... Definitely one of those things. I was... I had large breasts. It's why I got breast reduction surgery, because it was actually, like, complicating my life. And it was covered by my father's health insurance at the time. So, um... Hey, man, why not, right? Um, so, yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> My awesome autumn is not... I I don't, you know, I buy clothes. I, I have a tailor. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not being touched by any angels? No, I'm not really being touched by any angels. Except the technological angel. I've been with Google and their Android phones since the Nexus 4. So it's been just a long-ass time since I've been with them. And um, I have the Pixel XL, their first generation of the new style of phones. And uh, I decided a couple days ago (laughs) to splurge on the very newest Google Pixel, the 3 XL, Mm -hmm. in 128 gigs. With Ooh. a new, with a new wireless charger, and a new case, obviously a new case because I'm upgrading my phone. So, mm-hmm. but everything is getting shipped separately. So the case arrived today. The wireless charger is arriving next week, and the phone is arriving in like on the fifteenth or something. So it's this weird like <laughs> I just. I just want my phone now. Yay! Well, that so that's sounds my awesome fun. One. Yeah, I love I love new technology, and I not with like computers, but with phones. I'm one of those people that upgrades every two years. But 
I give my old phone to someone who needs a phone. So I don't just throw them away or something. I actually just hand them down. Nice. Well, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I am drinking a Chiare Blanc de Blanc uh, 2015 from California. It's a sparkling wine. Oh, I love a good sparkle. And, (coughs) excuse me, I just... (laughs) It's actually, it's not bad. I just, I just... I just choked on it, but um, it's uh, it's a California Blanc de Blanc, but this Blanc de Blanc is from Lidl, because of course it is. Or maybe Aldi. Aldi. It's from Aldi. <laughs> uh, I am drinking, uh, because I'm me, a Pinot Noir. It's a 2016 California Pinot Noir from Old Soul. And uh, I wasn't going to go for the Pinot Noir. In fact... I had bought another bottle of wine, but I wanted to cook with it. So I opened it earlier this week. And then I was like, well, no, I just need to finish it because it'll go bad by the podcast. Because yeah. I was going to be like, not Carolyn and not have a Pinot Noir. But then I didn't. You got to go with what you <laughs> like. I, if, were I not trying to do the wine portion of this evening and try something new and, you know, talk about that, I would just, every fucking week would be a Riesling. Like, what are you drinking? A Riesling. <laughs> what are you drinking? A fucking Riesling. Why are you asking? <laughs> like, I don't I'm know if a- you've had a Riesling on this show. Huh? I have you had a Riesling on the show? I don't I think you've had a Riesling. I think maybe I have, or maybe I have it. Anyway, I fucking love Rieslings. I think you maybe you've had one Riesling. Yeah. So I am a I am a Riesling girl, but I'm the white wine chick on this show. Uh, therefore, so, I have to be the red wine. Yeah. And therefore, you have to a you have to be the red wine chick because I can never drink red wine because I'm allergic to them, which is bizarre. Well, much like we are returning to some old favorites in wines. Father Brown returned to one of Cozy Mysteries favorite tropes this week. Do you want to get right into it? Of course. We watched Father Brown, Season 1, Episode 5, The Eye of Apollo. We open on uh, like a jeep basically running down the road in the middle of the night. And what looks like a squire? unloading something from the back i know these like hooded <laughs> these hooded people when i first watched i was like are they monks right i definitely was like wait are they like reenactors i know that was another thing i was like what the hell is going on <laughs> this is gonna be that other trope that yeah. we're <laughs> but we get to see like two robed figures and then these squires pull out a big trunk that says church of apollo on the side of it and then we cut to title and I was a little disappointing. Like, no one died. No, of Lady course not. Felicia apparently decided to get therapy this episode because she never shows up to yell at any. No, I, I'm sure she's she's at a spa. She deserves it. As one after does. After all the dead people. She needs to get away. She's probably, let's be real, she's in Saint-Tropez getting a tan. It's fine. Hitting on some pool boys. No, no, she wouldn't hit on pool boys. She would hit on Greek shipping magnates, i.e. Jacqueline, i.e. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. So come on, Ugh. come on. That's fair. That's very fair. I misjudged her. I'm sorry, Lady Felicia. <laughs> she is a lady. Come on. That's she's a countess. Exactly. But this is a dark and stormy night, and is. Sally is having a bad nightmare and she's tossing and turning and yelling out in polish and she knocks over her lamp and it's an oil lamp and she doesn't knock it over the curtains knock it over oh god that's even worse yeah that's even worse but even better it's not her fault that the fire starts i guess but also like this this whole scene and the way this particular episode starts is so hackney and corny that it was a really weird episode for me as yeah. a, a, in total <laughs> but uh yeah 
So she's having a nightmare. Yes. But I think if we can call it that, this is our first real side character episode. Like, I guess technically Sid Carter was a little bit of a side character last episode. Mm -hmm. But, like, this one totally 100% focuses on Sally and Sally's journey, which is kind of cool and fun. Yeah. Susie. We haven't... Yes. God. I've had half a glass of wine, so there's no excuse for this. I was like, who the fuck is Sally? (laughs) (laughs) The new housekeeper, because Mrs. McCarthy's gonna fire Susie after this episode. It seems like it. (laughs) but the next morning we see sid in father brown's kitchen he's fixing the electric because the storm has knocked out most of the of the towns Mm -hmm. and uh father brown is like looking at this church of apollo pamphlet Mm -hmm. i like how i like how the hoodoo voodoo cult just sets up in the estate in Kemblford and like, hey, come to our hoodoo voodoo festival. Right? (laughs) I like how you have to send out formal invitations for your cult. Like, that's my, that's my favorite Well, it is the 1950s. I know, but you can't expect, you can't expect a cult not to follow, like, a little bit of politesse. Like, come on. Yeah, I know. The Brits. (laughs) It's very British. Very British. But Father Brown is actually very, very fixated on the symbol on the packet, the packet, the pamphlet. Fuck. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I know we're recording tonight because we're both busy this weekend, but I have had no brain. That's okay. Like, my boobs might be well supported, but my brain is not. So the church is having this, the church in uh, quotation marks is having like a concert get together thing and um, a pretty blonde woman is pretty blonde woman is playing like a fucking dirge on the cello. Mm -hmm. There's a surprising amount of people who have showed up to this. And it's all about curiosity and something new. I'm special. I guess. I mean, honestly, like... It's the 1950s. We what don't... else are they going to do? Yeah, right? we don't have any other... They haven't invented meth yet, so... Oh, no, they have. <laughs> I, it, was, it was what uh, Hitler gave to his soldiers, so... Meth was there. <laughs> <laughs> meth has already been invented. But Recreational um, meth hasn't been invented yet. But, like, um, Netflix... Not a thing. So. Yeah. I think, I guess that's fair, but at the same time, it very much was just like, they, it looked like from a production standpoint, they were just like, yeah, we're going to pull some like extras and just like fucking slap a fedora on them and they're good to go. (laughs) Like, I don't know. So obviously Father Brown and Mrs. McCarthy, who is here for this whole adventure, show up uh, to the church to see what's up about this. And after she finishes up her funeral dirge, out struts the founder of the church, Kalon. Who is a super five British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, somehow. I miss you. I love you, that's why I'm... Cheerio, not goodbye. So super that I recognized him. He is literally the murder mystery man. He's been in Midsummer Murders, Paranoid, The Five, River. He's been in the thick of it, but that's not the point. Death in Paradise, DCI Banks, Law and Order UK. He started working in 1979. Have you seen River? Because I just finished watching it on Netflix. I tried to get into it, and I watched about three episodes. I like Stellan Skarsgård, but only in his Swedish shit. I realized it was an okay show. I will say, like, I, 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 I wouldn't rewatch it. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. But I had a very five British actor moment while watching it, and not from this guy, not from this guy, but Mrs. McCarthy's in it. Yes, yes, she is. (laughs) And I was like, holy crap, that's such a five British actor moment. (laughs) It's five British actor Inception, which is how I feel about Tom Hardy being every fucking where. Every time I see Tom Hardy, I'm like. 
I knew you. I knew you then, Mr. Hardy. And now you're all mm -hmm. big and shit and in these big blockbuster movies like Mad Max and Venom, which I heard was really good. I I heard that was I heard it was not critically good, but like good good. Fun. Like good fun. like actual like the audience good, which is what I fucking yeah. care about. Because I'm not a movie critic. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a we review a we have more media credential than a lot of people do at this point. I, I mean, we are on Spotify now, so <laughs> I guess we're legitimate. <laughs> All you have to do is have five episodes of your podcast and you can get on Spotify too. <laughs> this is our tenth episode, which is why I think hey. I'm drinking sparkling wine, I guess. Yeah, bizarre. I appreciate that. <laughs> but not only does Kaylin show up and give this whole big speech... But Susie sneaks in because she has seen the pamphlet lying on Father Brown's table. Miss McCarthy is such I a jerk to her. Remember the word for table. Like that's where I'm at today. Is I couldn't remember the word for table. <laughs> this is an audio only medium. Like I can make as many funny faces as I want, and this is not going to work for us. <sighs> it's a fucking story of my life. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of glad that it's an audio only because I I am frightening on camera unless I've got my hair on and makeup on and I've got neither of those things I am frightening like you do not want me on video Good yeah God. this was definitely a low have, try day I have like fifty chins going on right now <laughs> like oh my God yes my so it's my, cold enough uh, that I'm wearing pajamas. Though, oh wow! In my house, impressive, impressive. No bra, but defo pajamas. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Kalon tells his story of how he was saved by the light of a these astral planar beings who revealed to him the truth of the world, and this was after he got shot in World War Two. And, like, the bullet, like, hit his brain and everything. <laughs> My note here is, Mrs. McCarthy looks as skeptical as I feel. <laughs> now, I thought it was a very compelling speech. I... Because Michael Maloney, the guy, the actor who plays mm -hmm. Kalon, is almost always a bad guy. Oh, that's the thing about sparkling wine. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, ooh, and I had onion rings for dinner. Oh. You had French onion soup last. <laughs> <laughs> ah! That was the worst. Anyway. So, he always plays the bad guy. And so I'm a little, like, I was skeptical, because, you know, if you, if, he, if you have seen him and everything that you've seen him in, he's like, okay, it's the bad guy, so he's going to be the bad guy. They need to stop picking such obvious actors. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, this particular scene, A, I went into it skeptical because it's cult, right? Yeah, the of course. Maloney, I mean, and, and I know this was a choice and a deliberate one, and it was probably how he was directed as well. So, like, no, I don't mean to, like, shame him but he's just acting so big mm -hmm. like he's so over like the top in everything he's doing and i know that that's the point yeah because all cult but leaders also, are like that when you really listen to cult leaders they all are like that so it's actually it's a proper choice for him to act so so we who are not susceptible to cultish things because we have even if we suffer from some mental health issues and some, you know, so uh, social issues, we are still well enough not to be sucked in by any kind of cult mentality. Also... Well, that and I think it just takes a lot for me to... Like, somebody like that isn't somebody I find charismatic. Yeah. Like, just if I... Like, in real life. Like, I don't know. We're also not... Once again, we're not traumatized by a very recent world war. 
that that's that's fair. So, like, we're watching this as very skeptical modern audience, but imagine this is the nineteen fifties. Not a lot of cults have happened up until this moment, you know. There's not yeah! Rose Town. There's not the Hale Bop. There's not. You know, there's well, not the Branch so Davidians. Also, it, funny is that I was researching. Well, I was like, what am I going to even talk about from a historical perspective in this episode? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, they were just like, hey, every cozy mystery does a cult episode. Let's do a cult episode. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I literally went and Googled and was like, hey, are there like famous cults of the 1950s? And there just really aren't any. Like, the, the cults, the big important, like, the big pop culture reference cults started in the 1960s because yeah. it was a f- okay so here's the thing and i can explain why this is but they start so this cult's a little early but the 1940s and the 1950s were traumatic i can't explain how because in america they weren't right but, but in europe they were and, you know, for some, it might have been traumatic. It was the 1950s, the mid-1950s that the Korean War happened. Right, so there was, that's fair. There was some trauma for Americans. But imagine how traumatic life was. First, World War II. Then a depression after the war because everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then rationing and legitimately people are starving in Great Britain. And so the 1940s and the 1950s are traumatic. And so in the 1960s, everyone's like, we need to find fucking meaning in our life. If we find it through uh, casual sex, if we find it through pop music, if we find it through religion. And Mm -hmm. so for the Europeans, you had to find a way to like find meaning in your life after two decades worth of trauma. And everyone was traumatized. Everyone. There wasn't a single person. Like like I said in the last episode, my mother was born in 1950. So even she still carries trauma from World War II. From, like, you know, and she, yeah. she might not realize that she does, but I can tell. In the 60s, it was like everyone was, like, scrambling. And so that's where the kind of cultish behavior comes from. But in the 1950s... In Britain, everyone was so boxed up tight and, you know, stiff upper lip and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Keep so, calm, carry on. Yeah, exactly. And so... Um, Keep calm, cult on. Yeah, exactly. So this is just... I made a finger gun again. <laughs> Audio medium, but I made a finger gun. So, but <laughs> if we th- think about the Happy Valley set, they were traumatized mm-hmm. by World War Two. I guess, yeah. So I mean, it felt like almost more like the Happy Valleys that was like trying to like a little bit escape the World War Two, but like yeah. You know, also, but, they yeah. were very, very rich. Yeah, they were very, very rich. So they weren't as traumatized by World War Two, but yeah, but everyone was. So this was an early like finding meaning in life, and that's what Kalon was. And so since we're inundated with pop culture cults, we are kind of, we're going to be skeptical of this Kalon dude. But in the 1950s, when everyone's traumatized and looking for meaning, you're you're going to be like, hey, you know, maybe he has some good ideas. What the fuck else? Nobody else did, so let's try. And that's exactly what kind of happens to Susie, too. Mm -hmm. She is literally, this nightmare was about her parents. She's looking for meaning in life, Mm -hmm. and Kalon is immediately spots her when she comes joins the crowd takes her seat and calls her up to do like a reading on her and she's having this big moment where she feels the light of her parents and these astral beings or whatever Mm -hmm. that he worships it's never quite clear exactly what he worships except the sunlight Mm -hmm. which which so can we talk about having a sun worshiping cult in England? <laughs> well, it's during the summer, so it's a it's a few days. We I get, guess it's a few days we get out of the year. I feel really bad. Like I feel bad for the producer that got this script and was like, "You want to shoot all of the scenes outside? Just every single one of them. <laughs> every <laughs> single one of them." Fine. We are going to uh, film in the week 
in August <laughs> will we get sun? Just that one week right there. That's when Talking we're film. film. Talk about filming out of order. Like they probably had him like on retainer to be like, okay, Michael, we have five hours of sunlight today and then we're going to shoot 300 episodes and then five hours of your episode. From August 7th through the 14th. You need to be on call at any time. <laughs> any time like, from sunrise I know, to sunset. <laughs> I know in America we have climate of any type, like, but um, England has one climate. It's grey. <laughs> Father Brown isn't buying it at all. Yeah. At all. He's listing off like all the different ways that he managed to figure that stuff out about like and I, I, I really appreciated that, that he knows all about cold reading. And, and I like yeah. And what what's interesting is that he's talking to a modern skeptic. Mm-hmm. So he knows that we're skeptical. So I like that he's he's voicing our skepticism because mm-hmm. we like it's hard to watch these shows set in the 1950s and be as credulous as someone in the 1950s. Because we're not. We're not from the 1950s. Nice use of the word credulous. Thank you. But he gets... Cambridge. He's relaying all this to Mrs. McCarthy and uh, gets Britishly confronted by Kalon. I know. About... And he's like, well, aren't anything, isn't anything possible in this world? And I love the line. line. Many things are possible. The question is, what is probable? And that is literally my last note. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be 100% honest. I watched this today. (laughs) Two hours ago. And I paid attention but I had already pegged Kalon as the murderer, and I already knew how he did it because it's a Nio Marsh um, plot. So I was like, okay, whatever. This is actually the first time I'd ever seen this episode. Ah, nice. Because I didn't like Father Brown the first time I watched it. So oh, I tend yeah. to try and yeah. give everything like at least three to four episodes. Mm-hmm. And. That last episode was the fucking like that was that was it. Nope, no more. Can't. <laughs> yeah. Um. And honestly, like if we didn't do this project, I think I might have stopped stopped there again. I hated that episode so much. Mm-hmm. And this one was weird for me. This was a really weird episode for me. Yeah. Um. But that was such a great line. Mm-hmm. But he's talking to both Kalon and the a pretty blonde cello player who reveals herself as Dominique, mm-hmm. um, Kalon's... Astral soul... partner. No, astral partner. <laughs> astral partner. God. I live in Boulder, and that's too much for me. <laughs> really? It wasn't too much for me. Um, I know so many British people who are like this, that... um. Like, watching this episode was like, holy shit. And it's not even just some British people. Almost every British person you talk to has these weird, like, they believe in almost, like, 80% of British people do some kind of naturopathy, homeopathy, right, reiki bullshit. And I don't know why. Like... I th- I don't. I mean, I'm pagan. I mean, if, if I identified it anything, I would identify as pagan. I'm a firm believer in the like, do no harm, and you do as you will. But like, fucking no, no. Like, I don't. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I mean, okay, so there might be some pagan influence from you know history. I'm drinking too much. Yeah, that too. But from history as well. <laughs> but. I think it's because homeopathy is covered by the NHS. But, yeah. Everything makes so much more sense. I mean, shit, the things I would do if they were covered by my insurance. Fuck. Well, homeopathy is bullshit and you shouldn't do it. (laughs) So, I mean, there are certain things that that would actually, that do, that account as homeopathic that do actually have some scientific background. Like, there are certain, like, essential oils aren't necessarily good for a lot of things, but 
certain things like eucalyptus do actually open the sinuses and yeah, 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 no, no, no. I'm saying, stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that water that's been touched by gold is not any good. <laughs> like it's not. It's sh- that's bullshit. Like gold that's been strained through water six thousand times isn't going to do shit for you. Sabrina, I have a business proposition for you. <laughs> Let's move to England, find some gold, and bottle some fucking water. Gold-infused water, we could make. Gold-infused water. <laughs> I mean, they do gold-infused vodka with the gold flakes or whatever. No, that's, that's schnapps. Oh, yeah. Cinnamon schnapps. Don't drink that shit. That will be a bad hangover. No, the hangover's not bad, but your poo is No, glittery. I know from personal Oh, no, no. I know from personal experience. experience, too. I know from personal experience, too. You're German. You are not allowed to give any opinions on whether or not schnapps gives you a hangover. Oh, I don't that get... Is the, that is the milk of your people. I don't, I, I don't get hangovers. I either end up in hospital Shh. with a red wine, or I just wake up. I don't... No. No opinions from you. Alright, movie. <laughs> anyway, but your poo is glittery with... <laughs> and <laughs> just, just put it on there. If you don't look at your poo after you've pooed, you're lying. So, there. (laughs) Kalon goes on to thank Susie for coming and invites her to their greeting of the sun ritual in the morning. And (laughs) I was so disappointed. So the very beginning of this episode, they like take out this very suspicious looking trunk that says Church of Apollo on the side. They gave us, they gave Chekhov a gun and never fired it. No, 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 they did. At the The end. The chat trunk? The trunk didn't do anything. Yes, it was his Bible. No, you're thinking of the nice chest. I'm saying the trunk, the big, the big trunk that got unloaded from the yeah. Table. In the trunk was the chest, was the Bible. Oh my god! No, that's too many steps. No, 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 no. That's how no, it goes. The... And and if the Bible's sitting in the trunk, why is the trunk sitting outside, right behind Susie in the scene? I don't know because bad editing. Bad. It was bad. It was not good, and they didn't. Nothing. Nothing came of the trunk. The chest was a different story. Okay. Anyway, Susie is a sad lady so she goes to the sun ritual and finally we get to mrs mccarthy doing what mrs mccarthy does which is complain generally about Susie, because Susie has not shown up for work and father brown is drawing the symbol in his gravy yes and he's about to go down to the camp where Susie lives when sid rushes in and says that Susie's missing <laughs> So, I know this is really late now, but you went past the scene where um, where Sid fixes the light, you know, and let there be light and chooses darkness, blah, blah, blah. At the end, Susie asks him if he stays for a cup of tea. And Sid goes, you know, no, I can't. I've got to go and fix either. And he, go, and he looks at his money and he goes, that's a terrible thing. And he winks at her. Now, it's Sid Carter. I don't know. I have to go back because I love winking and I wink all the time. I love being winked at as long as it's not in a creepy way. And it's usually not. Like, when you're just walking down the street, like I remember I was at Cam- I was in, I was at Cambridge and I was walking to class and I was having kind of a, not a, not a great day. And I walked past this guy who looked at me and just gave me a wink and it, exploded my day like the sun came out i didn't because it's cambridge but the, the sun <laughs> came out cambridge is nice like four days Which is in the spring. biggest plot hole of this whole fucking episode <laughs> uh, no. the, the sun came out i had a skip in my step i felt i felt really cute like he winked at me like, oh, he was winking at a cute girl. This, this is totally the 1950s. So at the very end of that scene, right before Sid leaves, he winks at Susie. And I, I once again, my heart exploded and the birds were chirping. It was lovely. And so, so I hated Sid Carter last episode because he was so fucking stupid. But I was like, oh, Sid. No, I I liked Sid this episode quite a bit. And I think... 
I think for as much as we were told early in the season that Sid is kind of a ladies' man, he really does like Susie. He really does have a soft spot for Susie. Back at the estate, Dominique is talking to a pretty boy who is kind of beginning to doubt Kalon's not beginning to he's straight up like Kalon's full of shit because I have nightmares and I have a limp and nothing has changed in the ten months several several ten months yeah I was gonna say was it ten ten months that I've been here so this this is just an interesting side note this this is this actor's very first acting job (gasps) oh good job pretty baby he's not a bad looking bloke no no he is like goes like angrily paints over a sun on a canvas and basically uh confronts Dominique about Kalon's deviance mm-hmm. and all of the not really a f- all of the women that she has kicked out of the cult. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Kalon has blocked Father Brown from seeing Su- Susie. Mm-hmm. And so Sid and Father Brown are brainstorming how to get there, and Father Brown climbs a wall. What you, I love when when Sid is like, "We'll go in there, we'll grab her," and he's like, "It breaks one of those law thingies that you might have heard about, <laughs> like like trespassing doesn't." <laughs> I'm curious as to where the fuck this estate is. Is this Lady Felicia's estate? Does she rent it out to cults when she's not there? Does she this rent it out be for the season? Delicious. Because you know she's not... You know she goes to France for the summer. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like... Or she goes down down London for the season. She's not going to be in Kemblethorne. So does she rent it out? Does she let her friends... Her old soldier friends borrow it? What the fuck does she do? I mean, maybe it's rented. But the big thing is that... The important part that I did accidentally skip over is that Dominique has revealed that she's the one financing this whole shebang. And the minute she said that, I was like, oh, girl, you're going to die. But they're saying that this is truly like a... Philanthropic enterprise, yeah. Yeah, if a philanthropic effort, because they're not trying to... They don't want any money from Susie. They don't want any money from Adam or anybody who joins this. Okay, so if this is like... This is pretty much Campbellford's first, um... Campbellford's first cult? (laughs) Yeah, but it's not... Yeah, exactly. Uh... (laughs) Campbellford's baby cult. But it's it's probably (laughs) not their first uh, uh, charlatan. I mean, mm-hmm. this being Kemblethorpe. Yeah, I mean, charlatans have been around forever. Mm-hmm. As we've established, cults weren't really a thing for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Adam is all pissy at Dominique mm-hmm. because he's in love with her. He tries to kiss her and she slaps him. Oh, she tries to slap him and he like grabs her arm. Yes, and he gets paint all over her because of the whole painting thing mm-hmm. with his, you know rebelling against the sun god mm-hmm. angry brush strokes fucking regular jackson pollock yes but anyway so father brown has snuck in to this cult and he is trying to convince susie that they need to leave but she's gone full cult and is resisting him and they hear Dominique scream. Help me! She, she's screaming for help. Yeah, she's screaming for help. So everybody's out there. So Kalon has, you know, basically come upon Father Brown at this point, And they both start running for the door. And Kalon's like, it's locked. There's a spare key. You can go get it here. And then they hear another scream. And they run. And they unlock the door. And... They get into the room, and Dominique has been pushed out the window. No. No, she has fallen out the window. Has fallen out the window. (laughs) And this is the point where, like, if you didn't already feel like the cult leader was the bad guy, like, the cult leader is clearly, clearly 
The guy who did it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so our favorite Inspector Valentine shows up. I love him so much. I love Hugo Sphere to a degree that is unnatural. <laughs> so when I first watched this show, I was watching it specifically for him, and I was pissed when he left. I was like, I'm never fucking oh. watching this show again. I ended up watching it, you know, every season. <laughs> but who I was hot when he left. Because I have a really weird taste in men. But he's on the list, so it's like, I don't know why. I don't know why. But if you saw my list, you'd be like, what the fuck, Sabrina? You've never had a male influence in your entire life. Wrong. That's not true. <laughs> Who is the weirdest name on your list? Oh, shit. Well, I need a, I need a name that people would recognize, I guess. Other than... I mean, Sean Bean's not a weird name, but I know he's on the list, Sean Bean right? is number one on the list, and he's <laughs> never wavered. And so he's getting older, and that's the problem. Like, But he's still fucking beautiful. I don't understand. Like, I'm just like, how do you- That's not a weird one, though. Like, okay, if we yeah, know Sean, Sean Bean Bean's is, on the list- Sean Bean's legitimately attractive, like- Right, so like, here's your baseline is Sean Bean, so like, find a weird one. Uh- Valentine interviews Kalon. Uh, Susie, who was outside, does confirm that Dominique was pushed, and uh, the constable who's working with the inspector finds the key on uh, Dominique's person. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, inspector goes. Plus, the inspector goes and like looks at the lock and says, "Oh, this is unpickable. There is no way anybody could have picked this." They go and inspect the room. Um, Inspector Valentine clearly thinks any paint is blood because, he, you know, he's a dumbass. Um, that's well established. Well, it's kind of, it would probably be like where the paint would be, maybe. I'm sure if, I, if he took like... This is just another episode where it was like, oh, Inspector Valentine is here for eye candy reasons. Like, I don't know. But they do find the real blood, as pointed out by Father Brown. And my other note on this is, what a gorgeous bathroom. Yes. Oh, so pretty. This episode, for being as weird as it was, had some excellent scenery porn. Yeah. Like like I said, that estate was beautiful. Yeah. If you're into the old British estates, because I know that's a niche kink, this is the episode for you. But Adam comes up to the room and locks the inspector and Father Brown in and runs away for no discernible reason. Uh, finally, Kalon and the others get out and Kalon goes out to feel the wind in his hair, I guess. Mm-hmm. And this is... Oh, fuck me. This scene. This scene. This was like that scene in the last episode where Susie and... The not Nazi were sitting on the bench. Yeah, and the music swelled, yeah. and this is this exact scene, but with a much less attractive man, who's creepy. Yeah, and, and that's that's what charismatic cult leaders do. Susie doesn't know that because Susie is not a 2018 girl. <laughs> so, I don't know. Either way, Inspector Valentine arrests Adam once they catch him. And Adam reveals the thing about the girls, and Kalon makes his excuses, and it was just this whole thing. Like, I mean, it was, it was, this is the part that really did bother me, is that they interviewed that, about Inspector Valentine and Inspector Valentine's character, is that we have seen Inspector Valentine do a good job. And, like, go through and interrogate all the sources, and, like, go through and look at evidence but no, in this episode, he's just going to arrest Adam on the basis of one person's testimony. Right? I think these... these and that's what really bothered me. Yeah. the I think episode four and episode five were, were misplaced. 
Yeah. Yeah. I do too. But this next scene marked a complete transition. So we had like this one half very hokey episode. And then this other half, a completely different episode. So Father Brown corners Kalon in his study and goes, you let an innocent man pay for your crimes. And Kalon doesn't even deny it. Like literally just goes, what is innocent in these day and age, really? Like, come on, can anybody define that? Like, whatever. And gives up his motive, basically uh, saying that he'd do whatever it took to keep the cult going. And basically challenges Father Brown to a game of murder chess. Mm -hmm. Like, I've already killed the queen. Figure out how I did it. I know, right? And he also alleges that Father Brown is jealous of Su- like his relationship with Susie that is 24 hours old. So while Father Brown obsesses about the case, Susie is given Dominique's necklace for her initiation ceremony. <clears throat> and Father Brown and Sid break back into the estate. <laughs> Uh, And they're looking through a bunch of files. And in the first file cabinet, or in the the front of the file cabinet, they find nothing of note. But then at the very, very back, where no one would ever think to look for a fucking file. I know, right? They find something naughty. They follow Susie into a room as she's all dressed up in her initiation gear. And they show her all these photos of young women who were allegedly the women, or probably the women, that neither of those words are correct. The women that were cast out of the cult by Dominique. Mm -hmm. And they're all boudoir photos. And they're basically like, this dude's a fucking creep, Susie. Like, you gotta get out now. Like... You don't even know. But she is, again, she's gone full cult. She says that they he captures their light. And, again, a complete failure of the actual justice system. She says that the cult is completely free to go since they're charging Adam with murder. Yep, 1950s. What are you going to do? Your job... Their job, we did, they did, detectives did not have a job in the 1950s. <laughs> <sighs> I guess. But again, Caitlin catches them and throws them out. I don't know why he bothers at this point, because they're just going to sneak back in, like they do, to watch Susie's initiation. Mm-hmm. There's like a glowy pyramid and some bad special effects. Like, I feel like this is maybe the production manager, like, getting revenge on them for, like, making them shoot outside all the time. They're like, you, editor, put some fucking special effects in this shit. Fuck me up real good. It wasn't the special effects that got to me. It was the fact that people have those pyramids in their homes and, like, stick parts (laughs) of their body or pick up the pyramid and put it on parts of their body that are bothering them. And so I saw that pyramid and I was like, oh my fuck, really? This is supposed to be set in the 1950s? It looks like a terrarium to me. Yeah. Like, I've seen that pretty much in, like, the it pretty anthropology much is. catalog. Yeah, it pretty much is. And then made out of... For, like, different- $300. Yeah. And then- I, this fucking episode. I don't... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, the, the special effects are weird. But really, the fact that they were doing the initiation ceremony in the chapel of the estate, because every estate has a chapel. Nathan's uh, estate had a chapel as well. It wasn't near as grand as this. More like the size of like a bedroom. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that made a little bit of sense because at the very least, like they have refused to put like a name name to the god. You know what I mean? It's more about like the sun and the light and all of that. And so I don't know. The chapel made a yeah. little more sense yeah. than the random ass special effect. Yes, very like, cool. what was the point of putting that special effect in there? To, like, maybe make us believe that this dude actually had mystical powers? Every time he showed up, they had that musical sting. So, yeah, maybe he does. Well, except that, no, in the time with the hair and everything like that, the score got real creepy. 
real creepy. It wasn't a magical score. It was a real no, creepy. Yeah, like, no, no. Was, I'm yeah. foreshadowing some shit. Yeah. I don't know. It was. It was one of those things. It made it stuck out like a sore thumb. So Sid and Father Brown visit Inspector Valentine. My funny Valentine. Sweet comic Valentine. And again, this is another scene where you can see how much Inspector Valentine is set apart from everybody else in the cast, except for Sid himself. Because he's one of the very few characters that smokes. Yeah. And he smokes a lot. He does. And it's very much like that. This is a middle class dude who doesn't actually know any better. Mm -hmm. Hey. Exactly. Like signal. And I didn't appreciate Uh that. I didn't appreciate that. Because in the 1950s, fucking everyone smoked. He's not a middle class person though. He's definitely working class. Okay, working class. I mean, shit. In America, working class is middle class, usually. Like, unless you're talking about, like, poverty level. But, like, blue-collar jobs are considered middle class. I think I've noticed that more poor people, working poor, smoke in America. And yeah. smoke in general. Uh, not just in America, but the working poor yeah, smoke more than middle class people. But in the 1950s, that wasn't the case. Everybody yeah, smoked. everybody smoked. It was kind of a weird anachronism. I agree. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that because they're using it as a signal of class mm-hmm. and education. Of and it wasn't. Yeah. It was not at all no. that signal. <laughs> but he's like, oh, I have to go do this thing. Don't touch anything after setting a big file. And it's like, this is the wink and the nod to let Father Brown solve the fucking case. It's like, if you had this ability, why just not do it yourself? I don't know. I did not appreciate the usage of Inspector Valentine in this episode in many different ways. Yeah, me neither. But Father Brown sees something in the file that gives him his aha moment. So they jump in a taxi, which is delightfully called Country Carriages. I love that. And they get to the estate, and everyone is gone, except for Kalon and Susie. Huh, weird Mm -hmm. how that conveniently happened. And Kalon is in the chapel, showing Susie his Bible. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a euphemism, but it's (laughs) not. It's really not. And Father Brown basically confronts, Father Brown confronts Kalon about everything. He confronts him about the girls and all the pictures he Mm -hmm. took. And he alleges that Dominique saw him do something. And then out of fucking nowhere, Susie's like, oh yeah, I remember him taking a picture of me, but I never thought anything of it. Yeah, and it was something that we didn't see. And, and if you actually watch the flashback, it was something that Susie didn't see either. Yeah. But she heard that she was talking about the camera click. I guess. Ugh. Ugh. And then, so he's like, and that's why you killed her. Because she was going to close up shop on the, cut off your money. And he's like, and that's when, so you had to hit her. And that was the first screams that we heard. Mm -hmm. Or something like, and so anyway, so he hit her. And he tried to make it look like an accident had happened. Mm-hmm. And then she woke up and started screaming for help. She heard, st- started screaming, but the door wasn't actually locked, and Kaylon was just pretending the door was locked. Mm-hmm. And Father Brown shows him the picture from the, the newspaper and is like, and the symbol around your neck isn't actually a symbol, it's the stethoscope. Mm-hmm. Which. That looks like no- nothing like a fucking stethoscope. Um, it like, do- so it's not the stethoscope, it's the Y of the stethoscope that goes to each is, and yes, the space between but- it. So I knew what he was talking about, but they explained that really poorly. Also, the stethoscopes, it- stethoscopes in the 1950s look different. 
Well, no, and I mean, they showed the picture of the stethoscope, and but the symbol itself doesn't have any sort of Y shape. It does. The very top bit. No, it's like straight up. No, it's not. It's, no, it's, 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 it's like a, it it's looks like a little a, bit like a bell. It has no Y shape to it. It does. There's no branch because it's not the branches in the. Okay. <laughs> no, I I can I I can understand it. It doesn't have a branch branch, but it has a curve. Yeah, it has a curve, but it doesn't look at all like a, a stethoscope. My point is that it could have been anything, and then they chose to make it the stethoscope shape. Like they chose, they, it's like they had this idea and they're like, oh, we're going to make a symbol based on the stethoscope, but we don't actually know how to make a symbol look like a stethoscope. Yeah. Or an IT-56 Yeah, well, like, they, it's like they, they're like, well, we want to make it based on the stethoscope, but we don't want to make it actually look like a stethoscope. We don't want it to be obvious. And, and by trying to make it not look obvious, they made it look like nothing. I suppose, yeah. That symbol could have been anything. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, it completely lost credibility, like that... I was totally with Father Brown had seen yeah. that before and recognized the symbol, and then it completely lost its credibility mm. for me. But the big dramatic action hasn't happened yet, except it has in our podcast. <laughs> uh, basically, Kalon is like trying to be like, no, man, that's not the way it works. And he's like, the astral spirits told me, Father Brown goes, there are no astral spirits. Yeah. And he's like, says the man who believes in the virgin birth. birth. Point to you, Kalon. (laughs) And and Father Brown, like, full on, like, I really appreciated this. He full on goes, okay, yeah, you're right. Let me rein that in a bit. Sorry. (laughs) He actually apologized because he's in chapel. So he's like, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was really good. That was a good bit of character. And... Kalon just basically has a full breakdown yeah. once this whole stethoscope thing is revealed and admits to it and he gets taken into custody and Adam gets released and his father Brown gives him the name of a hostel he can stay in if he wants to go around and hang out for yeah. a bit. And he does, Susie is sitting on the steps. She just kind of wants to be, she tells him she wants to be alone <laughs> And then she's sitting on the steps of the church, and the first thing he does is go over to talk to her. Fine, whatever. But, I mean, they have a good little moment about him, like, your parents are always in your heart, and let them talk to you, versus trying to seek them out. And that was good. And then, you know, it's like little, like, ooh, my award-winning scones aren't actually award-winning scones. I don't know. It was just kind of one of those, like, we're having a very heavy conversation, and we have to put in some kind of humor to lighten it up. I mean, yes. They could have just let it be. They could have just let it be. All right. We have questions to ask about this episode. Yes. Did you figure it out? Yeah. When you're fucking about with time, of course you are. So. That's exactly how I knew. At Naya Marsh, you pre-kill somebody and then you make it look like the murder is later. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The minute he sent, like, I mean, I already didn't like the guy, but I was willing to believe he was red herring. Yeah. And then the minute he sent Father Brown to go find the other key, I was like, nope, that dude did it. And again, this is my first to watch through. So one of those things where I can like legit say I figured this out. (laughs) Did you like this episode? I like Sid in this episode. Yeah, he was pretty good. I liked Father Brown in this episode. I liked Father Brown in this episode a lot. So... So on the whole, those they saved it. For me, it's like where I watch two different episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like I watch this like hokey cult episode mm-hmm. for like the first twenty minutes, and then I watch like a fun murder chess episode for the last twenty five minutes. And I enjoyed the last twenty five minutes actually quite a bit more than, and I felt like the setup was just so poorly done. That for me, I would like overall grade this a C. Yeah, yeah, I would give it a C, maybe a C plus. But I would give like the last part of it from a cozy mystery standpoint was really fun. Yeah. And you know the things that I'm griping about, like the use of Inspector Valentine mm-hmm. and the symbol stethoscope thing, like eh, you know, like they're gripes, and I'm a little drunk, so I'm more gripey <laughs> than usual. But like. Yeah, fine, whatever. 
if it had, if that first part of the if first 20 minutes, like I was literally counting the minutes on the nice. timer when I had to pause it. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, Ugh, I can't believe I have 30 more minutes of this episode left. And then once that transition happened, I was fine. It was a good, fun episode. Did you like your wine? Yes. Yes, I did. Mine is the burping. <laughs> Sparkling wine and belching are like two things that I know are going to go together. But like, I also had, okay, Zaxby's chicken. I love Zaxby's mm. chicken. They make so good. fucking delicious onion rings. I love a good onion ring. I love an onion ring, but their onion rings are crispy and perfect. And the batter is thin enough. It's not all like, it's, it's a nice, even match of batter and onion. Holy shit, the onion rings are divine. Ah. And so now you're burping onion rings? Yeah, I'm burping onion ring with my Blanc de Blanc. Uh, Blanc de Blanc? Yes. The... <laughs> what would you give it out of ten? Um, eight and a half. Ooh, very it is, good. It is quite good. It smelled good on opening, which was a good sign. It was a little sharp on first taste, but then it got really, really good. Like, it's it's very it's very smooth and very mellow. I know, you know what we really should do is in the podcast notes, write the fucking wines that we drink. Because That's a great idea, Sabrina. <laughs> we should do that. In season two. Oh, wait, season three at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, move, we'll be moving on pretty quick Mid-season here. season three. So anyway, how did you like your wine? I should really, we should make this a conversation and not just me babbling and then you saying how much you like your <laughs> wine. I realized, I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. I am a teacher by trade, so it's just generally me talking at blank-faced teenagers all day. So it's hard, it's hard for me to remember that there are other people in a conversation. So, <laughs> Carol, how did you like your wine? I I was a little I was a little nervous on open. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually on recording at the time. You so said it was spicy, me, was like, didn't you? Yeah, I was so, like, "What a white well, person thing first, to like, say." <laughs> this wine is well, spicy. Well, so no, oh, like at first, and granted, you know, strong grain of salt on everything I say right now because I do have a sinus infection. <laughs> but like. At first, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be a real sharp, sharp bottle of wine. But I held it up, like, I got, like, I held it up. And I'm not, like, any sort of wine connoisseur whatsoever. And I was like, holy fuck, is that cinnamon? Like, and it doesn't have a lot of that same spice on taste, but it smells, at least with a sinus infection, a lot like cinnamon. And um, it's a lot more pleasant than I expected it to be. I will give it a very solid eight at point five as well nice. but my scale goes up to ten nice yeah mine only goes up to nine so this is actually a very <laughs> good wine better than fucking last week's pinot Grigio. <laughs> you can follow us on our twitters if you ever need more content in your life i'm on twitter at classlicity i'm on twitter at sdm rights go fucking vote americans <laughs> Ooh yeah i did that this week what i I vote on election day for Ida B. Wells. I always vote on election day for Ida B. Wells. I also wear a poppy because November is Remembrance Month. Anyway, vote. Fucking vote. And go vote, America. And if you're in Colorado, you can register on the same day. So you can register on November 6th if you live in Colorado. If you're in Georgia, unfortunately, you can't. The voter registration deadline was the 9th of October. However... If there is any issues with your uh, identification, if there's not a true match to your name, go ahead and vote anyway, or demand a provisional ballot, because fuck them, (laughs) if they're going to keep us from voting. It took two constitutional amendments for Sabrina Marshausen to vote. Two. Two. One for black people, and one for women. And uh, so I I don't give up that right. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at SDMRights, <laughs> where I tell you to vote some more. <laughs> vote. Until November 6th, yeah. there will be a lot of urging you to vote. Yeah. 
And you can also follow us on our official Twitter, where we also urge you to vote about what we watch. Wait, isn't the so, voting over? It is. Okay. And Sabrina, do you know what we're watching next time? Miss Marple! We are watching the uh, newer version, Agatha Christie's Marple, which is available on Hulu. Uh, so we will be reviewing that next time because we only watch five episodes of a show and then you guys get to vote on what we watch and review next. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and Spotify. You can, you should tell your friends to subscribe too. I just went through on my podcast app, Overcast, and I subscribed to my pod, our podcast just to bump our numbers a little bit. Yes. You should do that on your parents' phones because <laughs> they like to listen to podcasts about cozy mysteries. I guarantee it. I, I literally have no idea. <laughs> but if you leave like... <laughs> But if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we will toast to you next episode. I mean, we may toast you. The problem is that one of us will not have written it down, and uh, my toasts are pretty shit. So you, you know. (laughs) We will do our best. We will do our best. As always, we would like to say what, Sabrina? Spasiba! To Ankan Kuryakov, who wrote the sim- uh, wrote Simple Life off the album Restart or Restart, depending on how you capitalize the word. Till next time, 